0: I think gaming loses narrative next year, Uh, Okay, and and, uh, it's a bit of a controversial take, uh, but I'll tell you, I have a very fundamental view on why I think, uh, okay, this is going to sound really strong, but why I think Web3 Gaming is inherently dishonest. two of the Normies podcast. Hi, Prashant, how are you doing? Happy New Year.
1: I'm good. Happy New Year to you too. Uh, didn't do anything eventful 31st. It was very simple for me.
0: I <laughs> for myself. I had a whale of a time. Yeah. Well, I was in. I was in Uti. I did a gig. I stayed in a very scenic place inside Jailalitha's estate which has yeah. gone to, really? to tatters so much that they are now renting it out on Airbnb. So that, nice. <laughs> that, was, that was good. Great for good people. Beautiful views. Uh, couldn't have asked for more. Great way to oh, enter. Wonderful, man.
1: Was, was this really? proper Uti Uti? This estate?
0: Oh, no, no. So Ooty, mm. you don't go to Uti. That's where all the tourists are. You go to yeah. like uh, the sides of it. But yes, strongly yeah. recommend it. After this podcast, I'll send you a location. You should go. For Please search.
1: do. I was yeah. in Uti just a few weeks back. I stayed somewhere between Kunur and Uti, which was pretty good. Um, yeah. But I'm sure it was not as good as Chalalit as I stayed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really good. Man.
1: Anyways, so customary uh, for all uh,
0: people trying to make their name in Twitter, Twitter, Twitter is that we put our predictions. Uh, supposedly, industry experts sitting right here <laughs> will profess what we think is going to happen next year. Honest to God, truth is none of us know. And uh, if you stayed in crypto long enough, I think it'll humble you to a point where you are okay with your predictions not coming true. But some trends are emerging, and I think Prashant and I want to talk about it. Uh, Prash, uh, you want to take it off first? I think coming from macro to micro would be better. Yeah. As the resident, macro, yes. you should go ahead.
1: And then let me let me kick this off, right? And uh, yeah, before obviously we do that, this is um, again personal view, um, not a fund view, and uh, you know, um, let's see how this kind of all turns out. Um, i would like to say however that like 2023 as we start we are clearly in a bear market we've been in a bear market for a while now even whether or not people realize this probably for a year since fed started uh, indicated that they will increase the rates um, but what's different this time around from 2018 19 is how much action is still happening out there um, how many users are still there how many uh, developers are still there if you even look at vo- uh, volumes and revenue being, uh, you know, uh, generated by the Texas um, it's still like, you know, multifold uh, more than where it was in the previous bear market. Right. So um, in short, I would say our space has kind of hit uh, a network effects, the overall space and, uh, you know, um, that, I think, is important to know for anyone uh, who has not been here in previous 2018, 19, where Agu and I have been, and we know how bear market was, right? So, uh, this feels very different from that. Um, having having said that, um, if if we use the first topic as macro, then uh, we have to, uh, you know, um, um, my, my point here has always been that as we clamor for more institutions to come in, um, our space becomes more rather than less correlated with traditional assets because that is how institutions think, right? And we are towards the end of the growth. Uh, sorry, we are like a growth stock, and that's how we will be treated. Um, so, um, in in terms of the macro, um, I don't. Um, I I I think I think inflation will come down uh, this year dramatically. It will be coming down mostly because of a reduction in demand. Um, which is good for inflation, but it's not generally good for uh, GDP, right? So um, there is a real chance that we will enter into recessionary uh, uh, space this this year, and um, the Fed uh, I th- will still continue to raise rates, but probably at a slower pace. And uh, the key question in my mind in uh, macro is: um, Will will the Fed raise and keep rates for uh, keep rates high for too long? Uh, so as to impact the economy or will they pivot before that happens, right? And right now I'm leaning more on the first first side of things uh, because Fed right now is not keen on pivoting. Unemployment is pretty steady. Retail uh, sales are pretty steady. So because of those two factors, they are still pretty... inclined to keep tightening and keep it tight from a monetary standpoint. Um, so I think they will just keep it for a bit too long and uh, the lagging effects around unemployment, demand, etc. will uh, take us into a slightly deeper recession uh, at which point they will start pivoting. So um, end of the year, I think um, S&P will probably, maybe Q3, q S yeah, S&P will probably be lower than where we are. Um, if we do hit a proper recession, it might fall down by 15, 20%. If that happens, we don't. Know. <laughs> we, um, we should probably expect another leg down in crypto as well uh, because of the correlations. Um, but any anytime that happens, at least the blue chips, I think, will catch a bit very quickly, um, especially because of how much excess capital there is out there in the market. So um, I, th- I think um, from a Bitcoin ETH standpoint, especially, I don't think, uh, so end of 2023, I think we'll be here or higher than where we are right now, but not by too much.
0: Yeah. Okay. So Fed, Uh, it's kind of all dependent on the Fed, but just for our Norby listeners, right? Like what is, which is one, I'm one of them. Uh, What is the Fed, what is the rate and why is this affecting prices everywhere?
1: Oh, okay. So Fed is the Federal Reserve. This is basically the, um, you know, um, RBI or uh, the central bank equivalent of uh, the U.S., Um, They pretty much control uh, printing the US dollars. Um, They have this much power because the US dollar is the reserve currency of the world. And um, from 2008 up until 2022, uh, 21, we have been in an almost 0% rate uh, environment. What that means is there has been a lot of cheap credit, and there has been a lot of money that has been printed by the Fed in the process. So we have had a lot of excess dollar that has been in the system, right? So now, um, end of 21, when they signal they will increase rates, and oh, and also Fed controls the monetary policy, which is basically primarily um, interest rates that they uh, control within the country. And these interest rates that the Fed uh, decide is what becomes the benchmark for a lot of credit that is given on thereafter, such as mortgage, car loans, etc. right? um so in a zero percent rate environment you have uh, mortgages and also car loans etc in like uh one to two percent territory um but if the rates by the fed are moved to where it is right now which is like say uh around three percent right then of course the mortgage rates and the uh, car rates etc will be more than that so like four percent five percent six percent right so credit becomes uh, more expensive in the process. When credit becomes more expensive, then uh, the demand for credit reduces. And also people who have taken credit in the past will struggle to refinance and will the default rates can also potentially increase if it's not matched by a simultaneous wage growth. What typically happens in an increasing rate environment as we are in today is that it starts having knock-on impact on earnings of uh, corporates as well. Um, when earnings start getting hit, then pe- uh, people started to start doing layoffs, which is what we are noticing right now. When layoffs happen, then unemployment rate increases. And uh, when that happens, then uh, typical consumers move from an investor investment mentality to a savings mentality. So then demand for goods also starts reducing. Right. So then you have your GDP also coming down. And then we start going from an increasing growth, growth, increasing environment into a growth stagnating to a growth reducing recession kind of an environment, right? So that is what is happening right now. So Fed is kind of like the uh, mothership of uh, global monetary policy and all roads. Uh, it's kind of like the, um, it's Fed's market effectively is what they like, we like to say, right? So if they increasing rates and it going from 0% to three, four, four and a half percent this year um is an environment that we have not seen for 15 years now and crypto has been in a zero percent rate environment all this while uh because bitcoin started in 2009 and at that point uh the fed rate was around zero percent right so even from like an entire crypto standpoint we are for the first time seeing a high rate environment right so uh we don't know how to kind of uh, think about it um what happens in a high raising raising rate environment is that the way stocks are kind of calculated the price of stocks there is like this discounted cash flow methodology that is uh, applied where you discount the future cash flows at a particular rate and that rate is tied also to the feds rate so at a higher rate the discounting is higher so your present value is lower right so stock prices also recede it's a very very simple way of explaining it, but that's pretty much what happens. And this impacts the growth stocks a lot more than your uh, utilities and cyclicals.
0: It's crazy one. Prof, Professor Prash in the house. Nicely <laughs> done. <laughs> Nicely done. Yeah, but 10, ten years that... of
1: banking is what, uh, you know, uh, gives us <laughs> that uh, macro thing.
0: Okay. Okay, let me pick one, right? Like, I, I yeah. think that there is a conversation for an ETH BTC flippening. Uh, and the reason I think that, that it may happen is that just that there's so much more developer and building activity that is happening on ETH. Uh, I think the first person to tell me this was Sandeep back in 2017, where like ETH will ETH will flip BTC. I said, dude, like how how even, right? But then uh, going by or the way in which they've been able to coordinate a community to come together and uh, you know build all these useful products, Uh, the EIP rollouts are faster than ever right now the implementation, uh, the merge has happened and I think the beacon chain eventually will start to also enable withdrawals to some level Um, this I think will make ETH much more interesting prospect uh, than BTC BTC still skirts around the asset or currency conversation at all times but ETH uh, the way I have started to see it is a large supercomputer that allows you to build censorship resistant, unstoppable code. Uh, which, given the global climate right now, with respect to uh, you know this anti authoritarianism that is settling in, whether that is at small scale platforms or large scale countries, uh, ETH, I think, becomes far more relevant than BTC uh, for day to day use. Uh, and uh, as a result, uh, could we see an ETH, ETH uh, uh, BTC flipping? I'm, I'm not sure, but definitely ETH rises in relevance uh, as compared to BTC just on the amount of activity that happens there and the way in which it is happening together, which is that uh, you know there's a uh, there is a insane no. number of smart people who have been who are coordinating build some build a, a true public good so yeah uh, so i th- i think that i think that will happen and yeah uh, stack ETH as well stack ether as well as as you may be stacking sats in this market
1: <laughs> yeah and and um Yet to me, uh, I I I think it will definitely flip BTC. It may not happen in twenty twenty three, but I think that even in from a price standpoint, uh, FDV standpoint, I think it is happening. There is just way too much uh, network effects for uh, ETH, and uh, the velocity of ETH is also much higher through its entire stack uh, than what it is for BTC. In fact, I'm I'm actually a bit worried about Bitcoin at this moment because of um, the, after the next halving, given the rewards, um, it's highly dependent on price increase as opposed to transactions um, on the chain for it to you know keep the miners um, um you know uh, interested for a much longer time right so to an extent there has to be a lot more uh productivity that the asset has to generate which is bitcoin um uh, for it to stay relevant for a long uh, you know much longer so um the only thing that is still going primarily for btc it's is decentralized. I think it's the, the most decentralized asset out there. So, that ethos of decentralization sticks with it. But again, I mean, as as institutions come in, etc., I think the REIT will take the relevance away because, again, decentralization is an ethos, but it's not something that puts money on the table by itself. Right? So, um, yeah. um, so I think ETH, therefore, takes the cake away. I completely agree with that. Yeah.
0: What do you think of regulations, Prash, especially given the last uh, year and I think it's coming and probably not the good kind. So, yeah. <laughs> what are you? What are yeah, you see, about? I mean,
1: uh, it. I, I, again, I, I come from like a world of very heavy regulation, even in uh, financial markets. 2008 was after that, the regulation that came in, you know, uh, destroyed a lot of businesses. Um, regulation to me is a necessary evil, but most often they kind of like, either are like on at the are at, are opposite ends of the spectrum either they are very slow and a lot of uh, you know um, uh, problems arise and then they kind of in trying to they try to overcompensate and go to the other extreme right and that is what i'm worried about here um it, it's very clear to anyone in this space that whatever happened in the last year keeping luna aside which was a failed experiment everything else was a centralized institute problem right uh, b 3 ac or ftx etc right And to me, regulation should come in at the gatekeeper stage, which is your centralized exchanges, at your custodians, your asset managers, etc. Because that is where your fiat on-ramps and off-ramps are, right? And uh, that is where your customers are. Um, But everything within the DeFi space has been extremely transparent and people could see what has happened. Um, So that I think should... I think there will be some sort of regulation coming there as well, but I just hope that it does not curb the innovation, which uh, that space will come in, right? The problem is because we had so many bad actors now in 2022, this decision has pretty much been taken out of our hands and we have given a lot of ammunition to the regulators to kind of uh, shoot us with, right? And uh, that is what I'm worried about. Um, I do see a future where uh, a lot of countries will have like, um, um, you know, um, licensed and regulated exchanges. Um, which kind of brings in a moat of itself, uh, right? And uh, that I think is where the regulation should stop. But um, I think it will go beyond that. And um, censorship resistance and privacy are the two features that I feel will uh, be uh, the most at uh, risk when when regulation starts taking shape.
0: Yeah, it's two out of three most important things in anything blockchain, right? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I I I, I don't like <laughs> it, but I can't. Help, but feel a sense of inet- inevitability that it's going to happen, especially when you know investor protection, especially retail money, as a conversation starts to come to the forefront, especially with the things like uh, with FTX. See, yeah, up until three AC, it was still just the institutions that uh, that lost money. FTX was just theft of uh, yeah. of uh, customer funds, and I think that level of regulation perhaps is needed, especially if a centralized body comes in. One really good prediction, which I will not yeah. take credit for, I read this somewhere. Uh, I, I think it was a CoinDesk, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, piece where they said that the exchange stack will be broken down uh, to mm. a large extent. Like people who do custody should not be able to trade slash uh, leverage, and then people who do that need a very clear service agreements with these regulated custodians. Um, do you think that that is? that is good, A, I mean, I see that as a net good because, uh, again, personal uh, bias, and you know this, that I've always envisioned a constellation of companies as opposed to large monoliths that do everything together. And the whole point of Web3 was that working together gets a lot simpler uh, yeah. as opposed to how it would be uh, in how centralized organizations work. So do you see that uh, the exchange stack Would be broken down to a large extent because clearly this seems to be a problem of scale. When it has reached a certain scale, uh, and you pushed leverage beyond what is, we never learn, no? (laughs) We keep making the same (laughs) mistake over and over again. (laughs) To the moon, (laughs) to the moon, and you push leverage beyond a certain point, then it essentially becomes a single point of failure. While breaking down what the exchange stack looks like could could perhaps be better
1: yeah um and again it's um it's it's not about uh, how do i put this um so see i mean regulation as i said is a necessary evil to an extent but traditional finance has gone through decades and has had similar issues in the past which they have solved by putting regulation and kind of you know introducing the chinese walls and uh, you know breaking up larger uh, organizations into smaller ones um one key thing here to keep custodian the exchange and even market maker right these are three entities which should mm. be separate right because there's a lot of uh, conflict of interest otherwise um if the same person is custodying the same person is creating an exchange and also market making right then uh then then there are like many red flags that arise here and we have been like kind of doing it a lot within our crypto space but if you look at traditionally how uh, our stock exchanges work, um, even within India, right? So you have NSC, then you have like your uh, custodians, which are separate, NSDL, CSDL, and then you have, of course, your third party market makers have well, nothing to do with NSC, right? So uh, so I think that is where this is going towards, and that um, that is not a bad thing because we have learned in the past on what works, how it should be bifurcated, and that's what we are uh, pretty much uh, looking at implementing.
0: I hope that happens, man, at least for the sake of retail, right, like this.
1: Yes, uh, yes, correct.
0: The other thing that I, I wanted to talk about I and mean, these are the two gray areas, right? I think gaming loses narrative next year. Uh, okay. And then yeah. uh, it's a bit of a controversial take, uh, but I'll tell you, I have a very fundamental view on why I think, uh, okay, this is going to sound really strong, but why I think Web3 Gaming is inherently dishonest, right? <laughs> Number one is that The whole notion that I should get paid for spending time on playing a game is is wrong. Uh, And this is me speaking, it doesn't have to be the truth. But when I play a game, I'm consuming entertainment. I'm not giving anything to the game. It's a piece of interactive media that has been given that I have purchased for my entertainment. I'm not doing the game any favors by spending time on it and playing on it. So the game developer doesn't owe me shit. Um, They they have already done their work of putting together a world that is immersive and game Mm. loops and rules that keep me engaged. And I am consuming them for, for, for entertainment. And I really wish more people would talk about this. Even in every time somebody takes up the example of Axie Infinity, outside of the Philippines, where did it actually work? It was almost like a third world... Uh, you know uh, uh, benefit scheme of such it was kind of portrayed as the next big thing oh people in Philippines are sitting and playing this seven days a week it's like no it's a shit game to start yeah. with and then secondly <laughs> people have, people are doing it because 500 dollars a week matters in in these other countries you think somebody in SF would be doing that absolutely not. No. the one thing that is interesting in Web3 gaming is the fact that my skill is non-fungible but then as to do with anything in skill it is it arranges itself in a pyramid and that organization of elite level gamers already exists in the form of esports uh, i haven't heard very large examples endemic examples of platforming from games just yet but yeah. uh, at the same time if i'm a very skillful gamer the avenues to earn money as a result of playing it exists uh, and third thing is the asset transferability across games. Unless the assets is owned by a game studio, mm. uh, moving an asset from one game title to another is an engineering impossibility. Yeah, it is. I have spoken to tons of gaming uh, game developers, and they said, "I don't know what you guys are on about. Have you ever yep. built a game? <laughs> right, and have you ever tried to take <laughs> one asset from game X to another asset in?" Completely new world, completely new logic. How will you do it? So the only edge case where that survives is if there is one studio uh, that does it. So I think more people are going to catch on to this. The reason the financial incentives and games and and gameplay don't always go together. And in the places that they do go together, the gameplay takes a massive hit, Uh, right? The most fun I've had is playing a game Within the constraints of that game, I don't want to make money from it. I I, I want to have a yeah. good time, right? Yeah. And 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 I and I feel like more people are gonna catch up for it. And the last point there is, I feel a lot of the narrative has been pushed because game assets, which were a part of the capital deals, are extremely regulatory quotient right? They still don't have a, they don't have a, a, a the same classification as a fungible token or NFT or a cryptocurrency as, as it's called. And I felt like there was a lot of push towards, hey, build a game, make it Web3 and so yeah. on. But in general, I think play to one is fundamentally yeah. dishonest uh, and uh, the non-fungibility yeah. within games uh, and asset transferability is near to impossible uh yeah. in uh in in engineering terms so i really don't see what this whole thing about is about <laughs> when it comes to web3 gaming but i could be a boomer and wrong about it no 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 what I, do you uh, think, um,
1: see again i'm in a very similar boat right and i'm not coming from a space of uh um yeah it feels too good to be true i've also like gone out spoken to a lot of people i've stayed in touch with them in fact funnily enough just in the last couple of weeks to uh um, web2 gaming companies slash studios that wanted to move into web3 have raised money to move into web3 have put their web3 plans aside right um and uh it's it's it, it kind of like i mean what is a better example to give right i mean uh to what you're saying right now i i agree to a great extent to uh what you're saying that web3 gaming is uh fairly uh you know blown out of proportions in what they're trying to uh what they're trying to sell right now um any gamer uh, cares more about the content and the experience and the, of the gaming as opposed to any financial incentives to begin with. Now, there is there is, this, um, there is this element I keep asking myself again and again of whether there is an element of Web3 gaming that can cater to the unbanked, right? Like what happened with Axie, um, where, there is, where financial um, uh, incentives trump the game and keep it very simple because people are coming to play this not for the experience, but for the incentives, right? The biggest problem there is it's those incentives are unsustainable, right? And that you cannot have like an in-game currency detached to a peg currency, like a dollar or a rupiah that uh, sustains this uh, uh, in uh, uh, forever, right? And that is a big problem because eventually it gets dumped on people. And this is the same people you want to protect, right? So that part is a problem. Um, <clears throat> on, on on gaming itself, where I've been like looking at and I've been quite interested is um, that that... Um, the user generated content and what they own within the game that ownership provided to them is where it uh, is what really i think uh, blockchain can uh, enable in a big way right uh, but interoperability completely agree it's uh, something we think can easily happen but you know to agree upon standards between games is virtually impossible right um, one, the, the one thing I did in the holidays is I spent a lot of time with my kid and try to understand what's happening in Roblox, right? And Roblox is super interesting to me, right? And uh, one, one thing I want to see is like a Roblox for Web3, right? Um, so she, she creates an avatar. She spends in-game currency called Robux, which is dollar denominated. She can enhance her avatar and this avatar can go across multiple games, right? So pretty much Roblox is trying to do it in a Web2 fashion, what we uh, want to do in a Web3 fashion. And she doesn't care whether what Web2 is, what Web3 is, as long as she... But she is very, very attached to her avatar. She wants to spend money in it. And the fact that she can use it across games is something that she really likes, right? So this is um, this is something that's very fascinating to me because between Roblox, Fortnite, and uh, um, Minecraft, right? You have 500 million MAUs most of which are under 15 years of age, who are yeah. getting used to virtual worlds and playing games, creating content and utilizing it as a social network globally, right? That space has a lot of value in my mind um, over, over the next generation, right? And can and, and Web3 can have certain aspects of it around NFTs and user ownership that it can bring in. But I don't know if um, that, that can become very sustainable from a financial incentive standpoint and if it is even needed.
0: Yeah, exactly. That was my. That was going to be my follow up, right? Like, what do I do with that ownership? Uh, because uh, apart from the deplatforming risk, uh, all I uh, all I could use that ownership is to showcase and get bra- you know bragging, bragging right. That's, that's pretty yeah, good. That's am, primarily how good I am at the game. That I correct. can do in the existing uh, environment yes. as well. Uh, however, if the game environment like Roblox was to be open source. And you wanted an equitable spread uh, of the money that goes back to the developers. There, I see yeah. a, a Web three use case, but that's not a gaming native use case. It's just that the platform and the resource uh, yes. responsibility is spread out, and thereby yeah. the platform can take lesser uh, fees uh, while developers get to keep more of them. But uh, apart from that, I don't see it, man. Like, and and I, yeah. I you know, the we actually um, agree. yeah.
1: There- The other point, Raghu, I think we can devote an entire uh, stretch to this as well. Um, The hardware component also comes in here, right? And when I say hardware, it's more the app stores. Even Roblox tries to pay like 25 to, to, I think, 28% to the creators. You can create games within Roblox, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, However, a huge cut of that goes to your Apple store. Uh, whenever yes. any sort of transaction of Roblox happens within uh, Apple's, you know, um, uh, devices. So that is another big pain point, which again is very difficult for Web3 to solve because most of the network effects from a user standpoint is within these walled gardens, right? And web-based gaming, um, is I'm I am wouldn't say it has been lagging. It's still fine, but it's mostly all mobile and console driven right now, which are all like, you uh, know, uh, um, within wall gardens. That is another like, Challenge, huge challenge for uh, Web three gaming to also uh, proliferate.
0: I think we should get uh, Miko Matsumura on this call. I think I have not seen a bigger proponent of game Web three games than him, and he's built a gaming, very successful gaming studio with with Gumi. Uh, yeah. So it'll be really interesting to get a counter oh, view. Because if we keep yes. agreeing on things, this podcast is going to get very, <laughs> very boring. <laughs> so. Yeah, maybe next
1: one. Next one. Let's see you if you agree or not. Um, okay. So this is this is around DeFi, um, and um, you know, to me, um, I'm very bearish on permissionless DeFi in the short to medium term. Um, I really, re- really uh, think. Okay, I I believe in the technology of DeFi. I just don't think. Um, we will we will uh, see a lot of capital flowing into uh, DeFi primitives and DeFi based uh, projects um, for a, for for a for at least 2023. And I see a clear bifurcation happening of DeFi between permissionless DeFi, which is um, which brings up the primitives and which is probably more for the retail, and there will be an element which will grow bigger and bigger over time, which is what I like to call regulated DeFi, right? And uh, if you saw the project that Polygon did with uh, JP Morgan by uh, forking Uniswap V2 for currency-based uh, transactions on chain, um, I, I think I think there is huge uh, benefit of uh, DeFi on that side of things and involving real-world assets. But um, I'm quite bearish on uh, you know having. Um, on-chain options, um, having any more on-chain, uh, you know, um, DEXs, um, having uh, insurance projects on-chain. I think all of that will struggle for a long time because it's it's a complete mismatch of um, the. I, I I think that is all institutional products where we are trying to fix that into on-chain, which. Institutions will not enter unless there is some sort of clarity on censorship. Uh, sorry, KYC, AML, etc. So that yeah. is one area I'm like quite bearish on for 2023. I don't know if you agree or not.
0: <clears throat> when you said uh, regulated DeFi died a little. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I I I can't disagree with that because uh, I think the large, in fact, uh, the guy who worked on it for Polygon was Hamza. Uh, there had uh, a DeFi. We should get him on the pod as well. Yes, uh, that'll, that'll be quite nice to hear what that project looked like from the inside. Uh, so, I don't see the JP Morgan and the Morgan Stanley's of the world adopting DeFi without some level of, uh, uh, you know, reg, uh, regulatory AM and uh, things. But at the same time, man, leave leave DeFi alone. Let let at least lending borrowing run the way it does right now because yeah. that is hundred percent more efficient. Than how it currently works, how uh, and 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 we've got to figure out we've got to keep innovating in that in that space. The unbanked story that you said, I think DeFi solves that more than how uh, traditional banking or any other sector uh, in the space uh, works. So I, I feel like both have to exist, but I see the bifurcation coming between retail DeFi and institutional DeFi. And I hope, like hell, that institutional DeFi is the only one that is regulated, and it yeah. doesn't trickle down into uh, into user generated uh, into retail DeFi. And in general, I, I feel like yes, regulated at the entry points of where I procure my crypto from. But once I have my crypto, let me do what I want with it. Don't, don't enter, you know. Yeah, if you enter that, there as well.
1: Space. I think that's a good space to be in. If if that is the you know final space final uh part we get into i yeah i hope it's there um hey what okay next one i have one right um what do you think like you know this entire middleware stack that we have right um you have your oracles you have your data indexing platforms you have your um um you know identity solutions etc um my my I won't say it's a worry, but it's a view I have that, you know, hey, um, we say, okay, this will be the Google of indexing for Web3, right? Um, I always keep wondering why can't Google enter into this space and start doing it uh, once they feel that this is big enough, right? Um, And I think they will.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know. I I think Google is already doing, uh, providing node services. I think they launched an RPC service provider a couple of months back. Uh, and all the major chain players were there. Yeah. Uh, so uh, for for the launch as well. So I, I don't think they can't do it. But the worrying. I know the project that you are talking about. So we will catch up on this later. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I I don't see the token utility in most of these uh, most of these projects. And most of the money raised by these projects has been done via token. The ideal way to do it was the open source way that we were talking about, right? Create a contributor, they yeah. share the resources, incentivize them, and then do manage services like every other open source project in the world. Your, You know, your dockers of the world, they this is how they make money, right? And, and I would presume that a lot of the holding companies of these middleware projects are more valuable than their token market cap at the current point because they still do business. But at the same time, you know, the token itself does not uh, have value. Incumbent threat, I still don't see it being that much because even with Google, there is a lot of things for them to worry about before looking at an emergent space like this. And the yeah. time that they are not looking gives a lot of head start to some of these players to be very good and very specialized at the function that they do. Uh, so I am not particularly worried about uh, an incumbent coming up and eating eating up, uh, uh, unless it's really close, right? Like for example, what Google's done is very similar to what Alchemy does, right? Mm. And uh, that uh, that may be scary, but I don't see it happening across the board for all the middleware providers. I think they still have the time to really go ahead and. Um, create their own niches and garner community and user base. Uh, but the token part is worrying uh, for me. I don't see what happens with it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we I mean, of course, we can call someone like Ganesh to speak about this, what he feels. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I right? think
0: he'll be he'll be one of the smarter guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of things that I'm targeting yeah. right now comes from a from come, comes from many conversations with him where you know he's spoken about how middleware and crypto will mimic uh, a lot of how um, uh, a lot of how traditional open source projects went on to become hugely successful publicly listed monetizable businesses uh, yeah so that'll be interesting to hear from him as well and uh, like full of recommendations today no? i know today.
1: i know <laughs> the, the, the counter view of this or um, i don't know if it's counter view or whatever but do you know this uh, person rishi ramchandani so he was, he was head of APAC for BlockFi. Okay. And uh, he, he recently moved to become an APAC Web3 lead at Google. Um, oh. I didn't know until then that, that they had a Web3 uh, team and he's like the APAC Web3 lead. Right. So he could be interesting as well to uh, bring on to kind of give perspective from Google standpoint. Right. But this is, yeah. this is an area to kind of uh, keep an, keep an eye on for me. um. Uh, and I think we can bring both of them separately or maybe together to kind of like, we should, on we, a... should
0: we should get them together. This That would be fun. Where is the spice yeah. man, <laughs> huh? Where is the spice uh, yeah. bringing two opposing people together? <laughs> um, I, I'll go with the next one. Right? I think yeah. NFTs make a comeback uh, this year. Not in speculative dollar terms, but in usage terms. Uh, I think uh, I was pleasantly surprised by what I saw with Reddit and Starbucks coming in and doing something like this. I think the whole conversation around, hey, let's use the NFT for something as opposed <clears> to <throat> buy it, flip it on the open market and, and make some money uh, seems to have reduced it. clearly 90% retrace on all things NFT speculation, but seems to be a lot more people using it. So I don't see, uh, and, and I, you know we should call out our friend Ishita, uh, on this, mm. she said something to me a couple of years back, which I will never forget. She says that it's more important that something is non-fungible than the fact that it's a token, and mm. that just opens up a world of possibilities of what and what NFTs can do. So I see yeah. them being used a lot more, uh, enterprise and startups alike, uh, and I see them kind of becoming ubiquitous with a lot of with a, with a lot of things that have to denote. Non fungibility and tie benefits within ecosystems to that uh, to that uh, non fungible characteristic. What do you think? You think it's you think it's coming back?
1: Um, See, I mean, I I, looking at a lot of on chain metrics, etc. I didn't feel like NFTs went away um, at all, right? And um, then, I mean. Keeping the floor prices aside, um, volumes-wise and transactions and users-wise, I think NFTs have, have been like the biggest hit of the last cycle, in my in my opinion. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I, I think it's still pretty much there. I was just, funnily enough, like uh, going through uh, Nike's own um, NFT uh, growth in the last year and what revenues they made, it's just mind-boggling, right? And uh, to me, NFT becomes like a very good um, um, way to bring a lot of enterprises into uh, web3 and to kind of um, you know uh, make it very uh, fungible uh, between enterprises and the decentralized world and nfts can enable that right and it can replace a lot of use cases around loyalties and branding and marketing etc and uh, I've, I've been i've been super uh, super keen on how NFTs i've um, been uh, progressing the um, the struggle i have always with nfts is um, is is that um, apportioning value and uh, accrual of value into NFTs is not very clear to an analytical mind like mine, right? And uh, and 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 that is something, of course. I think I guess uh, someone like Ishita and uh, someone else, like you know, we can like that dig at a slightly deeper level and if you can get someone like a punk 6529 uh, six, you know um his views on nfts are like really really uh good and amazing uh but yeah, i would love to understand at a deeper level as to like where is it going next right and uh how can it disrupt a lot of things because you see it being utilized in real world assets you uh, rwa it's, it's utilized in uh, gaming it's utilized in um you know um all your uh, social tokens, um, etc. It kind of seems to have like this, it's, and it becomes very easily an ownership layer across all of Web3 and also Web 2.5 and to an extent Web2, right? So um, the opportunities are limitless. I just don't know how uh, to think about the utility and the value accrual into uh, individual NFTs.
0: Utility, I can see. Value accrual, you're right. I, I, I mean, it's basically supply and demand on an open market that seems to get enough of both parties uh you know uh, on the platform um yeah i mean it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see uh, so i i'm on my last uh, prediction do you do you have more
1: uh i think i'm also almost there i think we uh, in between covered a few as well um yeah. i just um uh, yeah I just, I just had one do you want me to go next
0: uh you go next and then i'll close out with the last one
1: Yeah, so, you know, um, the last one I had was around AI. Um, I I mean, I I think chat GPT is is kind of like, you know, um, I think there's been way too much shag around it already, so I'll not go too much into it. But it just put the entire AI uh, uh, thing into, uh, you know, a lot more perspective, right? That it feels like there is um, real utility coming out of AI that is going to affect us a lot more directly than indirectly. And what I mean by that is um, we had like Facebook's algorithms and Google's algorithms, <clears throat> more ML, but also AI kind of like influencing our lives and decision making, but in a very indirect fashion, right? But now um, AI has like a lot more direct impact to us. And uh, when you look at things like ChatGPT, Dolly, and, um, um, you know, stable diffusion, it seems to like, it, it. we are at a stage where this will completely disrupt the entire uh, creativity market from content writing to marketing to creators, etc., cetera, Right? And uh, there is an element of using these uh, for the benefit of Web3 as well, both at like uh, an application layer, like, you know, generative art, generative music, et cetera. But also you you can start um, um, taking a lot of data and harnessing them towards uh, coming up with like better um, 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 outputs as well. Like one example being, I think, I think Multicoin invested in this company, let me um, call what was it? Um, Delphia, right. And they take a lot of uh, financial data. And give you better recommendation of stocks and you providing data to this engine gives you like rewards you with incentives right so uh, that mm-hmm. is that i thought was an interesting fashion um and i think a lot more of this will start happening now that you know um we are seeing um, um, a lot more clamor and uh noise around uh, ai as a field
0: and i'm so reminded of our good friend john devadas says uh ai is um. and <laughs> exists, but I see what you're saying. I just am looking for the use case where you know AI and blockchain come oh. together and, and some kind of I just I don't see it and I'm not going to pretend as if I know this shit because I have to do a lot more studying on 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 what's happening on the walls outside of yeah. outside of Web3. What I hear is that uh, I had a very compelling use case of why Chat GPT is a legitimate threat uh, to Google. Uh, yes. Google's incentive is kind of built around making you stay on their services for as long as possible. So you eventually, you are click and add. GPT's function ends at giving you the right answer as soon as possible. And uh, in terms of, a, it's a clear user experience win uh, for Chat GPT against Google when it comes to finding answers to question, which is one of yeah. the largest utility for uh, for Google. So, I know. And when you say you, hear,
1: Google, you mean Google search, right? <clears throat>
0: uh, not only search. I mean, search is baked into literally all of Google's products uh, yeah. in uh, in one way or the other. But yes, I, I mean search and the ad engine that fits under yeah. it. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, from what I hear, uh, Bing, the search mm. engine, is building a chat GPT based search engine uh, for oh, interesting. You know, which, okay. my, which Microsoft is launching. So, um, I, I see what's happening there. I, I've just not had the time to sit and study it as much as yeah. I should. Uh, but the blockchain use case, and you remember, I think back in 1780, there were so many AI-powered blockchains uh, that, <laughs> that, that kept coming out. That kept coming up. I, I still, I, I, I can't see it yet. But um, I'm sure. I'm sure there are some interesting use cases there. Elia from um, Near. Uh, mm-hmm. Keeps talking about how there are a lot of use cases there. I still can't get him to sit down and tell me what those use cases are. Uh, but uh, he was also one of the inventors of TensorFlow. Uh, at, of what, uh, sorry, at Google of TensorFlow? Uh, oh, at, really? At, uh, at Google, so okay. I, He was he was a part of the team that that built nice. it out there. So another guest for the pod, I guess, should be Eli. That, yeah, uh, comes and chills with us uh, on this. I will mean, just make sure that he has beers because Elia uh, I- with beer much, much greater than Elia without beer. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyways, uh, this has been fun. I think we've got a lot of things. My last prediction for 2023 is that we will have a moment of truth for DAOs. Uh, okay. And uh, I think Joel uh, Joel John put out a conversation about how if you exclude the biggest DAOs like Aave, the, all of crypto has maybe 5,000 uh, DAO oh. governance voters right now, uh, which, uh, which which feels sure. about right. Uh, <laughs> and I think a lot of it has to do with uh, how the DAO itself is constructed. Uh, and uh, our uh, good friend Vishal Kankani from uh, Multicoin talks about how Web3 organizations and decentralized autonomous organizations cannot be how Web2 organizations look. We don't even know how what the rules are. Uh, of how that organization would function and then building enablement tools for that uh, only makes sense when we first see, uh, you know, how how this would, uh, how a web3 organization looks like. I felt like constitution DAO was one uh, flicker as to what it could be to coordinate so many people coming together and uh, aligning them on one goal, which makes me believe, and this is a very unbaked thesis that I have about DAOs is that I think that DAOs need to have DAO-specific coordination platforms. It cannot be a chat interface or GitHub, uh, or, uh, sorry, or Discord, right? Uh, it, I feel like you have to define what the DAO is meant for, what its rules are, how you interact yeah. with it, and then build a platform that bakes these three things uh, into it. This is uh, something that me and my co-founder at BuildersFive talk about a lot, that you have to define the rules of how a community will interact, and the platform enables just those rules. Uh, and then what you have is an, a more engaged community, and then decentralizing it by giving uh, sections of that community yeah. governance power uh, makes a lot more sense as opposed to saying, hey, here's Discord, here is the token, here is the NFT, here are the token gated channels, it's a DAO now. Right? Like So uh, with all the total value lo- locked in DAOs, the question, about whether these things actually work, there will be a moment of truth where we as an industry will have to define whether this thing is just another narrative or something that can be powerful to the likes of a DeFi or an NFT in the time to come.
1: Yeah, inter- I, I, I've, uh, I, I don't know if I should be saying this, but I've been like super bearish in DAOs um, for a while. Um, I just think DAOs are uh, being conceptualized primarily um, with with com- complete disregard, not complete but to, but to a great extent disregard to how um corporations have also evolved right and um having everyone kind of decide everything which is the starting point for a lot of DAOs, is i think going will go nowhere and has not been going anywhere right um so we will have to kind of compromise to a great extent and take learnings from like what has and hasn't worked in corporations, um, to, uh, devise the perfect DAO and yeah, tooling, etc. as well, I think is more of a derivative once we kind of get some standards and some sort of like, um, understanding that I, I won't hold my breath in like three coming together and defining the standards because it's open source. Everyone can go define <laughs> their own standards, but even if a couple of projects do it the right way and, um, you know, um, Create templates that are well recognized and well um, regarded. I think that's still a great uh, starting point, right? I, I quite like sub um, wherein you have certain people as subject matter experts who are, uh, you know, um, within these sub daos looking at certain functions, um, and and you know have certain element of governance within it. That makes more sense than. Having hundred people, one comment down. You know, I'll vote on marketing, I'll vote on product, I'll vote on things I have no idea about. That that uh, now we have to move completely away from uh, that space.
0: Fingers crossed. So those are our predictions. Uh a, Our editor is going to have some fun breaking this long uh, conversation down into sections. What we will also do, and uh, I think when we tweet this out, we should ask Twitter to remind us in a year to do a to do a reaction video to all our predictions uh, you know by the end of by the end of this year to see uh, how many of this we got right and how how badly were we off all the other yeah. predictions that that we had but uh, it's been a pleasure as always uh, prashant Likewise, and, man. Uh, let's uh, let's let's do this uh, let's do this again uh, very very soon until very then soon. this has been the normies podcast we will get back to you very quickly with some more interesting things and definitely people you know far more knowledgeable than us uh to share their thoughts and specific things. so hope you enjoyed it drop some feedback and see you soon
1: thank you take care guys